0: All right, today on Coffee with Mike and Ray, Jeff Feldman from Citizens Bank, mortgage industry for over twenty years, seen multiple cycles. Hear what he has to say today. My man. So, how many years in mortgages now?
1: So, without dating myself, I started in the late nineties. You know, ninety-eight, wow. Oh, wow. 99. Yeah, it's been a long time.
0: So, you've seen cycles.
1: I've seen cycles. I've been through been through it all. You know, it was back then it was a different business, really. You know, it was the Wild West, right? You know, Delta funded. So I started, I, I did my first mortgage with Delta Fargo. No way.
0: Wow. I
1: still have that loan. 2% life of the loan. <laughs> wow. oh. Did a modification, you know, after the mortgage guys, right, in 2008, you said, okay, let's start opening up a modification company. We figured out that formula. Was, All right, so we'll do that. But, um, you know, back then you needed a 620 score in a heartbeat, and you were in the house with no money down. You know, it was a different business, yeah. different clients. But We uh, had this in
2: 2001.
1: You've been listen. You've been around just probably almost as yeah. long as, as me. Uh, yeah. Twenty three years. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster. I yeah, I started with um, BLS funding, right? So BLS turned into Top Dot. When I started at BLS, there was I don't know fifteen of us, right? It turned into thousands, and then yeah, Top Dot was huge. Wow. Jericho, no? Yeah, Jericho, and then they had branches everywhere. Um, and then I ended up going out on, in probably I would say two thousand and four, I left them. And went out on my own and opened up uh, a, a branch office of Fidelity Borrowing. You know Fidelity, you know, yeah. you know, Brian Offsey. So, uh, you know, I had about 30 guys, me and a partner. And uh, we had a good run until 2008 happened. And then checks started bouncing from, uh... <laughs> no offense, but uh, we had to find some other options, right? Yeah. And we bounced around with a few, uh, few different places and then... Uh, figured out that uh, at this point I should probably just start focusing on myself and not worry about where I'm gonna bring 30 guys. Um, and I ended up, that's when I made the transition from being a broker to, to working for the larger banks. And uh, I ended up going to uh, Manhattan with a friend of mine who was running Manhattan at the time, Dylan Levy, and uh, started working at Chase. Right, And that's when I got my first taste of the affluent client. And uh, building my business from from there.
0: Nice, and then from Chase, you moved to.
1: So from Chase, I went to uh, Capital One, um, and then Capital One ended up uh, l- losing the ability to do mortgage. So um, they they shut down their whole mortgage department, um, wow. and they actually treated us really well, right? So they, you know they gave us, they paid us like. Whatever pipelines we have, they paid us out on our pipeline, like it closed, and they gave me severance. And then I got wow. big money going into PNC, so it was like a perfect storm for me, right? Because well, you nice. get, you know, you, you, when when you do volume in our industry, you know, you get a, you oh, get a nice sign-on bonus. So, so that was like the perfect storm for me, although it sucks starting over. Um, you know, we had a good thing going at Capital One, but, you know, sometimes it's necessary
0: yeah I'm, i remember we it was about a year ago we saw each other at a networking event right and it was crazy how many people we had in the same circle yeah of like not even knowing people we've known for ages i was yeah. like no way i'm like you know all these guys They're like yeah. yeah i was like wow i've been working with the same guys for like five ten years
1: yeah well, so. you're talking about the the, the russians so all the, 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 Ru- with <laughs> the russians <laughs> yeah all the russians
0: so. um
1: but yeah so i was at pnc for the past five years and uh had, had my best years of my career there i would have never left Uh, but you know banks become competitive and and non-competitive you know for whatever reasons they have internally and uh, you know I was still fortunate enough to still be getting a lot of business and a lot of opportunities and when I start losing my opportunities to rate and uh, they're not willing to pay me a lot of money till till they figure it out it's time for me to to go somewhere else so uh, I ended up going to citizens uh, March of this year and uh, Listen, any time that you go to a new company, there's always growing pains in figuring out, you know, you're never going to check all the boxes at one place. It's just, you know, it, does this place do more? Uh, the type of business that I'm looking for is not the same as everybody else, right? So I look for, you know, how do we treat high net worth clients? What are, you know, um, our LTVs? What are the relationship pricing, right? For me, relationship pricing is, is super important, right? So when people have money and their ability to move money over to the bank, uh, at that point, you get a, a large discount to the rate. And, and when you're talking about high net worth clientele, uh, most of these people are not first-time homebuyers. Um, so they've been down this road before, and that's who I'm competing against. So uh, they check the most boxes for me, and i uh, finding my stride with underwriting and operations and uh, – you know, every day that goes by, it's a battle. Yeah, you know, trust me. <laughs> Definitely know that. Um, but uh, but I'm winning a lot of them, right? You know, it's a problem when you go to war and you keep losing and you get depressed and you start looking at other options. So I'm going to war, but I'm I'm coming out victorious, which is important.
0: That's awesome. Um, so you've been in every side of mortgage room, from like regular FHA, conventional, yeah. and now primarily it's jumbo business, right? Wh- which one did you find to be like the most challenging, or? So, it's a good question. Um, I haven't thought about it. So, there's a lot
1: more transactions in in the categories that you said prior to Jumbo, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot more FHA. There's a lot, lot more, you know, non-QM and conventional. Just, there's just more transactions in that bucket, right? Um, but I learned a long time ago that, you know, it takes just as much time and as much effort to work on a $300,000 loan as it does a 2 million dollar loan, right? So we want to work smarter, not harder and start, you know, fishing in, in different ponds and and for those, you know, larger loan amounts. Yeah, right? And uh, listen, all, altogether there's just a lot less transactions in total, right? You know, we've lost the majority of all the the refinances. So now you got the same pool of loan officers fighting for all of the purchase business. Um, the difference between the refinance and the purchase market is that there was a lot of loan officers that lived in the refinance world. Why? Because you can purchase those leads, right? You don't have to know anybody. You can purchase leads and just bang all the day. phones all day and, <clears throat> and just fish, right? And with purchases, you, you can't do that, right? You can't buy a good purchase lead. You know, you have to have these relationships. And that's why there's a lot of people that, you know, were mortgage bankers last year and are, they're not anymore because they just can't survive. You know, and, yeah. and and when things are tough, it's hard to say. Okay, I'm gonna invest money in my business to to try something new, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a tough thing to do. Um, and you know, I'm fortunate that my business is still. Listen, it's not 2021 numbers, but they're still. You know, it's still growing, and and uh, I'm able to sustain, which is which is good.
2: Oh. Did you ever get into the commercial world, or was it always residential?
1: So, I get a lot of commercial opportunities. Um, when it comes to the ability to close them myself, it's you, I can't wear two hats. So, at that point, I'm just making referrals to, to uh, commercial guys. To, to commercial guys. Yeah. Nice. I wish I could close all the deals, you know. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately, working at a bank, I don't have the ability to do that. Thanks, you want to ask your favorite question?
2: Yes, yeah, so here's, here's where I kick in. What do you use for title? <laughs> Obviously, a and title is number one. No. Um, so my, uh, this, this is my question. You uh, get yourself a time machine. You sit in there. You turn on your flux capacitor, and you travel back to 1999. Yeah. And you sit across from yourself at a desk. What do you tell yourself? don't buy all those bottles.
1: <laughs> you know how much money we wasted at the bottles in the club? I like, tell myself just, that every day. You know? It's, it's sickening. It's just it's such a loaded question, right? Do you want to point it at work? Do you want to point it at life? Anything. Just in general. What you, what you, that's, a, that's a different show. <laughs> but if you want to talk about work, right? Listen, you, you don't know when things are good. Right, you think it's never gonna stop, and it's gonna continue. And when things are bad, it's hard to see past the cycle that things are gonna improve. Right? Yeah. So the only thing that I could say or, or suggest is that when things are good, you you work as hard as you can, as as long as you can, and, and try to stack and just try to be, you know, responsible with the money and, and put it in the, in the right places. You know, it's a lot easier to do that as a as a husband and as a father with kids where when you're single being a maniac it's you know you have other th- other things that are more important in life you know or you think that was 100%. or you think that's more important right and i'm not saying out listen at the end of the day i don't know if i would take it back cuz i had great times right yeah. um, but some of that money would be nice <laughs>
0: don't buy all the bottles yeah. that's great
1: stop buying bottles
0: <laughs> yeah. when getting into like mortgages and everything did you ever yeah. like pivot into like like real estate investing and seeing all this. Um, is it just been mortgages or have you gotten to like other spaces just yeah. getting into this world like 20, over 20 years in now? Sure. So when I started,
1: um, you know, I bought my first house in 2004. And at the time it was, you know, in Long Island, which is very uh, common, is the mother daughter. Right, so so when you found the mother daughter with a basement, you found gold, right? it's an Unconventional three family, right? So it's exactly it's <laughs> like exactly what it was. So I still have I have a few of the houses still, and that was what I looked for, right? Because I looked for the the mother daughter, which is a single family, which you can buy, and, and with a basement, and uh, you know, it was easy at that point, even at rates at five and six and seven percent, to be profitable with twenty percent down and have cash flow. So that's what I looked for. Right, I had maybe four of those at, at one point. I still have two. Um, and, and the most recent acquisition is that I was the preferred lender um, for this development in Orlando, which was uh, 72 single-family homes that were built for short-term rentals, Airbnb, for Disney, and, and that type of stuff. So I wasn't looking to purchase one of the properties, but I saw all of the investors that were buying them um, and they were buying two and three units at a time. And these guys, listen, I got a little bit of a portfolio. These guys have 50 million, $100 million portfolios. So they've already done all the math. (laughs) I'm like, if these guys are buying two and three, then I'm sure the math works and I should probably buy one. So uh, out of, you know, with these these homes, the only thing that that differs from one to the other are, are the amenities, right? They're all the same, you know, cookie cutter homes, uh, but they're, they're big homes, right? So they have 11 bedrooms and only and only 10 of them or I think 12 of them come with a bowling alley, right? So there's one bowling alley, home left. And I knew that whether the bowling alley was good or not it was going to show really well on, on Airbnb right, or whatever they use internally. So I ended up buying uh, the last house with the, with the bowling alley. And listen, you know what I like about the short term rentals is that it gives you an opportunity to enjoy it as well, right? If you buy a rental property and it's rented for the next 10 years, you never get to to enjoy it, right? So, um, you know, obviously having young kids and I'm able to spend time in Disney with them and entertain. Like, we're going there for for Thanksgiving. I'm bringing my whole family, my wife's whole family. I think we got like 25 people going there. Wow. So, it's uh, yeah. And uh, I've used it a couple times for uh, business retreats. Right? Golf. There's a lot of different things for, for Disney. We you should know, go or there. we should. But bowling. Let's put it together. <laughs> Listen, the bowling alley looks great. It's one of those mini bowling things. <laughs> <laughs> like with the smaller balls, but it advertises yeah. great. Yeah, I'll get But awesome. uh no, it's a good time, for sure.
2: Do you see how old are your kids?
1: So I have a three year old and, and nine. Yeah. yeah.
2: Would would you encourage them to get into the real
1: estate world in the future? Would you tell them to you get
2: like a like a degree where there's
1: more security so it's a good question i think that the short answer is i would probably you have to have the right personality to be able to to work on on commission only right Mm -hmm. and you could be very very sharp um but you're just not built that way to, to earn, you know, be in sales in general, right? There's some people that have that gene to be in sales and, and some people that, that don't. And I think that my son is three. He's going to be a stud no matter what he chooses. Um, but I, I think that the way that you can earn the most income is, is in sales. And it just depends on what the product is going to be, whether it's going to be real estate or, or whatever it is, you know, Um it's not one of those things that I could just pass down either, right? It's not like it's a brick-and-mortar company. And go, okay, here, I give it to you. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. But I could um, you know, see myself engaging in, in teaching them the business and, and, and learning how to do it from my mistakes. So I, I don't know. My daughter probably not,
0: but my son is something that I'd probably consider. Yeah. I always think about that all the time. Like, wait, mm-hmm. what's your kid going to do? What do they want to do? Yeah. Are you going to talk them into something? Are you going to let them do their own thing? It's always, it's, 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 listen, my, my kids are still very young, right? So you probably,
1: you know, your kids are a little bit older. No, no. I'm a
2: three and a half year old boy. I don't
1: yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's not something that I'm really putting that much thought in right now. Yeah. Right? I'm not, right now I'm just trying to stay alive. <laughs> 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 don't let them fend for themselves, <laughs> right? Your kids, uh, you know, I, I, I was... have other priorities at the moment than trying to figure out what, what to do with my kids as far as their careers are concerned. I am
2: a. My brother-in-law, we, we married sisters. And we yeah. always have this conversation. He's like a top-rated cardiologist. Uh-huh. So we always joke about like... And our kids are the same age. When they get older, I'll take his son to my wing and he'll take my son to his wing. Uh, and I, was like, I was like, if you ask me, uh-huh. I'd, I'd say, go be a, um, a doctor of a high stature all day versus getting in this concrete jungle of hustle. Yeah. Versus he says the exact opposite. He's like, I'm always... I'm capped to what I can do. You got Your sky's the limit, no matter what you do with it.
1: You know, it's funny you say that, right? Because for, for someone like me, I, I see everybody's finances, right? And I see these, you know, Ivy League people and surgeons and this, and I'm like, there's no reason I should be making more money than these people, right? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Like, this world doesn't make sense that I should be making more money than this I'm person, cut, yeah. right? Like, but it is, you know, unfortunate. But obviously, you know, their their industry is much more stable, right? Yeah. yeah and and that's that's the trade-off right yeah. so peace of mind yeah yeah it's, it's, it's a different animal but yeah, for sure the you know your your limits are, are what you set for yourself right? you can grow it to as big as you want and, and there's nothing stopping you whereas a surgeon you only got two hands right you can only do so many surgeries yeah it's hard to grow it unless you want to you know open up your own practice and grow. But it's you know, I can only do so much. But then you become a businessman not a doctor Right? No, yeah. exactly.
0: That's what I've seen with like a lot of the guys who become doctors mm-hmm. because I don't even treat patients anymore. Right. I just go they have like five, six practices. Yeah. And they, they just want to make sure they're running and they're operating at right. full capacity and they're they're branding it and selling it so they fill up and they get paid on that. Yeah. And listen
1: when it becomes a business, you know, the service okay. starts getting a little diluted, right? When people are starting, you know, used to dealing with you directly and you've grown your brand, it's hard to continue to get bigger and still keep the same type of service and respect. Like I do, you know, I've been doing a lot of business with, with dentists and surgeons. And, and what they're doing is, you know, they're they're absorbing these other practices, right? Everyone's retiring, going out of business, whatever it is. And what they're doing is they're, they're buying their book of business, And they're consolidating. They're not opening new locations. They're just consolidating their book of business into into their into their office, right? And they're they're growing that way. And uh, it's it's big business.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. Um, So, I think a lot of people talk about this now. You had inventory Mm -hmm. issues, which pushed mortgages, bidding wars, Mm -hmm. all that. Now. We're hoping that inventory is going to catch up while the rates are a little bit higher. You are still just seeing mostly purchases, not refis. I wouldn't say
1: only that. I'm probably 90% purchase, 10% refinance. If you're refinancing... There's, you got a problem, right? <laughs> you know, you're not getting rid of your, your two or three percent because rates are better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. E- either you're getting divorced, you need money, or you know, expiring. or something, or or your you know your 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 arm is expiring. That's right.
0: So, I think you're seeing a lot in that business. But do you think, first of all, you think you're going to hit like another refi boom from everyone that closed now? if if rates drop down yeah. back to where they were so so that's the cycle
1: right and and if you get through the cycle of the rates being higher and, and still have the the ability to do volume in that in that market you're creating your own refinance pipeline, pipeline for when it when it when it changes um, your first part of the question is uh, when you asked me about the market and you know traditionally when when rates increase, it's like a seesaw with, with values, right? Because, you know, if the rates get higher and, and, and the prices stay the same, it's hard for those people to still qualify, right? Because the people, everyone's always looking to, to borrow the maximum they're allowed, right? Or yeah. are, are able to, right? So, so when you have people that were looking, you know, at their maximum capacity two years ago, they're looking at homes for 800000 Now, you know, they can't afford those houses. They literally can't afford them. Right. So, so now the issue is that the seesaw is broken. Why? Because even though the rates are, are higher, the values are not coming down because there's no inventory. And you still got three buyers for every person that's selling a house. And how, how is there going to be, uh, you know, uh, that part of the industry that it, it affects the, the purchase price? And it, it just it's not.
0: Makes sense. Uh, just in general, like yeah. uh, with mm-hmm. that, like being mentioned, yeah. do you think like going to new areas? So, so you were telling me that they have you focusing on New York, obviously, and Florida. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's other areas you're gonna jump into? Or are you gonna just be in those areas? I mean, listen, it's <clears throat> I, I
1: don't look to go in other areas. It's wherever my. My, my business takes me, right? Yeah. And, and during COVID, it just happened to be that a lot of people were leaving New York City, right? Going to Florida. And, uh, you know, going to Florida, going to Jersey, going to Long Island. Um, and while I'm doing business, you know, with the business that's going from Florida, from New York to Florida, I started making some pretty good relationships down there. And, and now, if you look at my pipeline, it's probably 50% Florida, Oh wow! Um, because of the relationships that I made down there between That's Boca Korea. and Miami, and honestly, it's it's less competitive down there. For you know, for some reason, even in the in the luxury markets, there's uh, everyone deals with brokers down there. When I'm competing against a broker, there's you know yeah. it's very easy for me to to win that deal. Where in New York in, in Metro, you know I'm dealing with all the big banks, and it's just like you know it's a pain. <laughs> I know. You know, luckily I'm I'm competitive. You know, right now, right, and that could change at any time. Um, where I'm not feeling. You know, the worst part is uh, uh, in this business is the hardest part is to get the deal to get the client right. And when you have that client, and then. Your your rate isn't keeping him. It's it's a tough pill to swallow, knowing that you did all the thing that you're supposed to do, and then I'm gonna lose this client because my bank isn't competitive and they're not willing to compete. And uh, you know, listen, banks go in cycles and they go in and out. But if that you know is a is a, a story that continues to play itself, then then it's not the right place for you. Yeah, I mean, you guys are super competitive right yeah. now. Yeah, right now, uh, rate is not my problem. Yeah, yeah. Let's make the numbers special. Listen, I shouldn't say that. In, in the type of business that I do, which is the jumbo, the interest only, the relationship price, to be honest, I'm not positive how we are in FHA and conventional because that's not my, my lane. I think we're okay, but it's not, you know, what I'm focusing on at the moment.
0: Nice. Um, I was actually leading to something yeah. else on that. Also, you were saying the same thing about, uh, about Florida mm-hmm. and how it's easier to get the business there. And I had a right. broker I worked with in mm-hmm. New York, and he moved to California, mm-hmm. and his pipeline, like, tripled. Because right. he took the New York hustle and he took it to an area where someone's not going to follow up nine times on a loan. Right. And he, he just got it, started getting so much more business. Cause he, that's true. When he was in New York doing commercial loans, mm-hmm. he would go knock on the guy's door. Mm-hmm. He'd take pizza for the office. He'd follow up a billion mm-hmm. times, and that's how he got business there. He's like, in California, he's like, well, I do call a guy three times. And he's like, all right, you called me three times and you just gave yeah. him the business. And he <laughs> it's, was like, it, it's, it's crazy. True.
1: Listen, New York is a different animal. If you grew up in New York, you know, you have a different mentality. You know, yeah. and you're built different. That's right. You know, I went to I went to college in Florida. I went to FAU. And, and back then it was like, all right, we're built different with women, right? <laughs> you know, they like the, the New York guys and, and, it, and it transfers to, to business, right? Yeah. It's just a different mentality, a different hustle. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's, you know, it's great. There's a few things, right? You got to have the product. You got to have the the personality. And, right. and you got to have, the tenacity to continue to, to go out there. Now, you know, I haven't been forced to hunt in a long time, right? Um, you know, for the past five years up until recently, it's been like drinking through a fire hose, like, you know, in my business. I never had to go, I never had to leave, right? I'm turning business away, you know. And, and now things are a little bit different, right? So it's like, okay, just built a big house, you <laughs> need to make a little bit more money. <laughs> And uh, the phone isn't ringing as much, so, so now i got to go out and, and hunt, right? And, and what is, what's entailed to that is you got to you spend money, marketing, and, and hope that you're putting it in, in the right places, right? Well, there's uh, fun
2: in the hunt also. Yeah, if, you listen, build, if you build
1: for it, it's fun. We it enjoy. is, you know. And I, I've been uh, focusing on pointing the marketing funds to Florida as an excuse to go down there, uh, but it's also been working out pretty well. Um, it's just easier for me to maneuver down there as far as competition is concerned. And uh, it's been effective. Nice. And as, listen, South Florida is half of New York now anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it really is. Uh, I try to stay away from the condo stuff in Miami. Um Wait, just No, it's just the buildings aren't run that well, and there's issues with getting condos mm. approved. And ever since the building collapsed in, in Surfside, yeah. Right now, now banks are scared of Florida condo and there's different, you know, thresholds and criteria that they require just for, for Florida condo. So it's, uh, you know, I'm not saying I won't do it, but if I'm going to focus, listen, if I'm going to spend money on marketing, I want to do it in the places where it's easiest for me to do business. Right. So for me, it's like, you know, Boca, Delray, Palm Beach, all single families, you know, high net worth areas.
0: And, and that's it. Have you seen it with, like, Florida, where, like, in the past, this wasn't a problem. Like, insurance wasn't as crazy. Mm-hmm. Now insurance comes into play, and yeah. it affects their DTI, especially yeah. in Florida. Like, yeah. you're going up three, 400%. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that mess deals up or lower people's leverage? The- so I'm going to tell you a, a funny story. It was not that funny, but when I was at PNC,
1: you know, these companies aren't in tune to every single market and and what the requirements are, right? And Florida, like New York, is a different animal when it comes to insurance, right? You got hurricane insurance, wind insurance. And there's a few banks out there that don't understand the market and and don't require it. PNC was that bank for a little while. So all of a sudden, I got everyone calling me looking for Florida business because they didn't require the wind insurance, which in some of these higher-end properties could be $100,000 a year. You know, it's crazy. Right. So so now um, I'm doing a bunch of Florida deals and not requiring insurance. And I guess um, after I left. Right. I got a lot of my clients are calling me and saying, hey, they're telling me that I need insurance now. Like, I don't know how they can do that. Right. You know, I don't work there anymore, first of all, so I can speak about it. I said, if you know, this is a big difference right and it could be you know seven eight thousand dollars a month what if you couldn't afford it yeah right how can they require you and force place it if they didn't qualify you when you bought the home what if you can't afford this literally can't afford it so i don't know you know what's happening there if they're able to force place it or if they're force placing it and pnc is is actually paying the premium
0: but i don't see how they could force place it if they didn't require that closing Mm -hmm. The premium at points is, is higher than the person's mortgage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's uh, it's a problem down there, yes. you know?
1: And, and a lot of that's why also there's a lot of cash transactions. Why? Because once you don't have a mortgage, it's a, it's a mortgage requirement, right? Yeah. If you don't have a mortgage, you don't have to have any insurance, yeah. right? So you'll see a lot of people taking home equity lines instead of mortgage where it's not required. And they'll pay the higher interest rates or they'll go. Uh, you know, to to uh, a non-QM type of deal, even if they qualify, because they don't need the insurance, and and you know, uh, I don't know how valuable the insurance really is, or if it's ever really utilized. But it's it's a big nut yeah. It comes into play. 000, yeah. Well, that's that's an extreme case. I mean, the majority of them, let's say, you know, two three million dollar house it could be forty or fifty thousand. Yeah,
0: I had a friend went from fifteen to sixty. Yeah, in a year, yeah. forty five thousand is a big difference. Yeah, listen. Uh, that's
1: more than a lot of people make,
0: <laughs> right? Right. And then, it.
1: now it's like, okay, it's a problem.
0: In our business, in non-QM, when you're going off the debt service for the mm-hmm. rental loans, mm-hmm. certain areas like Florida got crushed on the rental loans. So, like right. you bought a property thinking you would be killing it, I know. and it was done over there. In New York, also, like over here, we still went up 30 40 percent. Yeah. So you,
1: you know what? I, I keep seeing, uh you know, how Fannie Mae changed their guidelines. Uh, to where they'll do 95% on multi-families, right? Three and four families. I, I just don't see how, even if you wanted to utilize that, pro- how are you, ca- these are investment properties. How, how are you cash flow positive with these rates at 5% down, right? You're just not, not even close. No. But, you know, the only time it makes sense is if it's going to be owner-occupied, right? And you're just you know, softening the blow with with 5% down.
0: Well, I think with the 5% down, they started letting you use, I guess, the other, before they wouldn't let you qualify off the rental income. Right. And now they're doing that, so it works out on the deals. Yeah. I, I don't, we'll see what happens on that. And, yeah. Um, with what's going on, I guess, with the the real estate brokers, and there's a possibility of changing the commission structure. That's going
2: to cause a little bit of a hiccup.
0: We, we spoke to a whole bunch of, you know, brokers and realtors that we work with this weekend. It seems to be like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. They don't know what's going on. I was like, "Hey, you want to talk about a new business?" He goes, "I don't want to do anything until I figure out what's going on here." Right? Um, do you think? I mean, being in your business and dealing with purchase yeah. transactions right now, um, I feel like a lot of your deal source and flow comes through like uh, obviously referrals and real estate agents that are selling the home and say, "Hey, I've known Jeff for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. He's funded all these times." Do you see these people like if they're like a large referral source to you? Do you feel like mm-hmm. if their business model changes, do you think they're going to like stop pushing the business as much and you're going to have to hunt more and meet the clients directly if it changes um, how that business is set up? So
1: to be clear, my biggest referral source are my past clients.
0: I thought you were going to say me.
1: But. That, well, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're on the list. You're on the list. Um, and I would say my realtors are probably 20% of, of the business that I get. And that's all in Florida. My All of my Florida connections are, are realtor. realtors. Um, I do listen I get sporadic from here and there just you know, listen being in the industry this long you know a bunch of people and you'll you know you'll, you'll get those referrals um, but it's not the the crux of, of my business um, but ultimately you know when it comes to making referrals right especially to a mortgage banker as a realtor or whatever it is you just want to put them in good hands knowing that the deal is going to close, right? Or at least give them an honest assessment if there's issues and to know up front if, if there are going to be any issues. So I don't think that their commission has any uh, bearing on whether to refer or not. Yeah. Um, but I've had some discussions with some real estate agents as well. And to figure out, you know, how, how it changes the dynamic in the industry. And uh, you know, it's my understanding so far, from what I know, is that, you know, the the this the person selling the home is no longer going to be responsible to pay the buyer's broker. Uh, because what they're saying is that they're not working um, on, on their behalf, right? But in the same token, looking at it from the outside, you wouldn't have a sale if the buyer's agent didn't come to you. So, um, you know, we, we had a a few meetings with some attorneys and there's a lot of holes in that case. And, you know, you could look at it from both different ways, but I got my own problems. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to survive out here. <laughs> Let them worry about that have, like, stuff. Yeah.
0: financing yeah. yeah. Happens. I guess like the next phase and we discussed this earlier and, uh-huh. you know, do you, do you think there's going to be another buyer boom or do you think it's going to be, I, I, I know th- you said like right now you still have three, but before you had like 20 people to each home. All right. So, so I think that any time that there's publicity about rates dropping,
1: um, there's going to be uh, more buyers that think that they can now enter the market and it's the right time. Um, I just don't know what that looks like when um, the inventory is still low, right? It doesn't yeah. change that, right? So, so now if the rates are lower, I feel that the values are going to increase now. So it's like, you know, you want to... Oh, I'd rather buy when the when the rates are high and values are low because you could always refinance, right? But there's just nothing that is uh, affecting the values at this moment. The interest rates don't have a,
0: an effect. Have you seen buyers that, like, you pre-qualified for an area or certain thing, pivot and say, like, you know what, I was looking in New York, but now I'm going to be in Pennsylvania or something? Uh, or not I mean, as much? Look, listen, I'm fortunate enough to be working with
1: more affluent borrowers where rate yeah. isn't as much. Listen, if the issues that I'm having right now is that it's a time of the year where you know I deal with a lot of self employed borrowers, right? And I would say maybe 75 to 80 percent of my clients are all self employed, and they always wait to the last minute to file, right? <laughs> so so now I'm I'm submitting deals with 20 and 21 income, and then if you don't close before October 15th. Now you have to give me twenty two. And that was this past two months of just pain, right? Because I started the file with two with twenty and twenty one and now I have to introduce twenty two in middle of the process yeah. and a lot of people had a down year in twenty two. Yeah. You know, and it's just a lot of pain and, the the <laughs> and a lot of my clients have you know 12 15 18 companies right it's not it's not like you know i'm dealing with w2
0: people yeah these people are you probably yelling at their guys like i yeah. need my k1 i need to file tomorrow <laughs>